I was talking to the CEO of a company the other day about a very unique problem in the industry. And he, I, I thought, you know, I'd come across this issue and it really felt daunting and insurmountable and you know, something that, you know, none of us could really have a hand in solving, but it was going to block the development of a, a market. And um, he said, oh, come on, Patrick, the cannabis industry will find a way. <laughs> This is Lit and Lucid, your after-work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid, and we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products and get cozy cozy in the the Lit and and Lucid lifestyle. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the show. Today, we have joining us is Patrick Rea. He is the managing director of Poseidon. Prior to his role at Poseidon, Patrick founded and was the CEO of Canopy Boulder for six years. During his time at Canopy, Patrick raised and managed five funds and led investments for 115 companies in the cannabis industry. Today, Patrick works with Poseidon, which was started in 2013, making their first fund one of the longest-running dedicated cannabis investment funds. Their team is also considered to be leaders in the cannabis industry due to their long-standing experience in the space. We're super excited to chat with you today, Patrick, to learn more about the work you're doing now with Poseidon and more about Canopy Boulder, a company that I know many young entrepreneurs here in Colorado know about, so it's really exciting to have you on the show. With that, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, the Colorado Homegrown Series, you know, and the focus is on obviously Colorado cannabis companies. And what better way to start than with, you know, Pat and, you know, the Canopy Boulder, which, you know, we've talked about Canopy a number of times throughout our seasons. And if you're a continual listener, I'm sure it'll perk your ears up. And this time we thought we'll go direct to the source and kind of talk about how a lot of these companies that we see now, you know, got started and kind of where that came from. But, you know, before we get too far down the road with Canopy and some of your other ventures, Pat, let's learn more about yourself and what kind of started your journey towards cannabis. Yeah, um, it's a great question. And, you know, um, like a lot of uh, folks who have joined the cannabis industry, there's a couple of reasons. Um, One, I had a personal health crisis um, that, was solved with cannabis Um, and that sort of opened my eyes and my mind to the power of um, cannabis into you know i've been working in the nutrition industry dietary supplements and health and wellness for years so i had a lot of exposure to preferred alternatives to the market standard offerings right you know whether it's organic nutrition bar versus a you know, a, a, you know, a candy bar or a, 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 re, a rehydration beverage that's better than Gatorade, whatever it is, right? And cannabis uh, proved to me uh, that it could be better um, for people. You know, it was better for me. Um, and then also, you know, I worked in that industry, that natural products industry for many years, and I had a, a colleague who came to Colorado and asked me about the cannabis industry. I told him what I knew. And at the time, I think there were 100 dispensaries or 100 licensed cannabis businesses in Boulder, Colorado. And there's only 100,000 people or so here. So the numbers caught my attention. 
I started paying attention. He essentially asked me, what would you do? And I told him about building a, you know, investment company. And he said, um, let's do it. And I said, what does that mean? And then that sort of started us off on a path of figuring it out. Interesting. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you started Canopy back in 2014. And even here in Colorado, that was pretty early on. So mm. for you, you know, like what really sparked that interest? I know you're like, oh, well, we'll just start an investment firm. But like, what were the core, you know, values that maybe cannabis was bringing to the table? Or what kind of cannabis businesses were you seeing that you felt interested in? Like, how did that really get started? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at the time, every business in the cannabis industry was a startup. Mm -hmm. And, um, the most innovative startup investing model at the time um, was the accelerator model. And Techstars was one of the top accelerators, and they just happened to be founded in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, nice. So there was a lot of access um, and resources available to figure out this early stage investing model that was a business accelerator. So I did that. And so we just dove, dove in head first, met people, went to events. And uh, figured it out, uh, found a lawyer, found a tax accountant, found, figured out all the resources and put it together. Now, I had some experience. I had worked at a venture capital firm. I'd worked in investment banking. I had a, you know, a decent understanding of finance, not uh, an exceptional understanding. Um, but that's, it's definitely one of those things that you learn by doing mm -hmm. more so than anything else. Yeah. Um, so the opportunity, my skill set in sort of building communities uh, bringing people together and then just communicating clearly about the opportunity. I think uh, sort of it all pointed towards what happened, which was the creation of Canopy Boulder. And uh, that was an incredible experience. And we did a lot of good. We launched some incredible companies that are still doing very well and they're cornerstones of the industry. And uh, it's presented uh, an opportunity for me to continue on in the cannabis industry where many people cycle in and cycle out because uh, it's damn tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a very tough industry. And and that's kind of prompts my next question. And this is something that we always kind of had kind of in the back of our minds that we were speaking with individuals who'd come out of Canopy Boulder is, you know, what does the program look like? You know, what what is an accelerator? Like what happens within this time frame that, you know, gets these businesses, I guess, ready to go to market? Or, you know, what exactly are you guys doing with these companies? You know, it, we were uh, putting together kind of a, it was like an MBA practical you okay. know it was like okay you've got an idea you've got a co-founder um let's develop that into something that um and you know shows some market potential um like there's a there's demand for it so you I, you generate some really initial traction um you put together a plan which is cohesive from finance to strategy to team to marketing to ops and it all lines up and then let's work with you on how to present that in a way that will be well received by investors who are, uh, you know, self-identifying themselves as interested in investing in the cannabis industry. Practically, what that meant was that we had a 13 to 16 week program in person, an intense program that was both structured. So everybody had a week on marketing, everybody had a week on finance, everybody had a week on operations, right? And then it was responsive in that, you know, one person's business needed different things or one person needed different education than another person's business or another person. Mm -hmm. So we, then we made it responsive. So those two parallel educational tracks 
along with the community building and the introductions to investors and the investment itself hmm. was sort of the value prop. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I worked for a lot of companies. Yeah, it did. And I know, you know, we're going to plug some of those later and maybe talk about, you know, some of the successes that have came out of Colorado. But one thing I want to note is on Canopy's website, it mentions that Colorado consistently ranks as one of the top states for venture, venture capital deals and dollars. You know, mm-hmm. why, why is that? You know, why, what makes Colorado such a great ecosystem for, I guess, startup companies? Yeah, I think there's, there's a relatively um, it's progressive, um, central, um, you know, CU generates a lot of engineers. Yeah. Um, there's, um, gosh, you know, there's natural products, there's oil and gas, there's, you know, it's sort of like natural resources, outdoor industry, uh, and there's cannabis amongst other sort of incredible opportunities. And real estate has developed out yeah. here because people realize now that they can be someplace like Colorado and not be stuck wherever they were. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's a reason for that. I think also Techstars was instrumental in generating a community of entrepreneurs and startups and investors and connecting them. And that has had lasting impacts and will have lasting impacts on Colorado for a long time. Interesting. Well, I know, you know, you've seen, you know, probably way more than 115 companies, you know, pass through your desk and, you know, good and bad ideas, I'm sure. You know, they're all over the board. Um, But Mm -hmm. for investing, like, are you guys looking at the short term or are there really those companies that you're like, no, like this is really going to hit the long term and this has a really lasting impact on the industry? Like, where's kind of the mindset with that? Well, you know, um, at Poseidon now, we're very much focused on um, early stage licensed operators. So single state operators typically who have uh, combined a cultivation license and a retail or a couple of retail licenses. We really like that. Um, and then ancillary technology to the industry. Um, there's still opportunities like, you know, maybe their point of sale is a little crowded or ERPs are a little crowded, but data platforms, um, pretty much anything that helps the industry sell more weed is in demand. If you can prove that, uh, you know, a licensed operator can give you a dollar and then you turn around and help them generate $15 in new sales of cannabis. Like you've got, got something there. And that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We're also looking for sort of deeper utility tech that is like solving a very hard problem that, um, you know, maybe the first gen of technology platforms in the cannabis industry sort of just decided they weren't going to but, you know, try to solve because it's too hard um, (laughs) and they needed to solve more immediate issues. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities and um, we are working really hard to uh, invest in them. That's fun. You know, I have to say, Patrick, you kind of perked up there at the end when we're talking about some of these hard problems to solve. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you've been doing this for you know, probably, you know, I could say 10 years for all intents and purposes. You know, do you find that you're able now to get into like, these hard to solve problems and pulling, you know, the funding and stuff necessary to, to solve some of these. Whereas, you know, back in 2014, it had to yeah. be hard to, to get people on board, to get fine investment money, to invest in cannabis when it was so, you know, new and, and still kind of fluid, you know, do you find that you're having more fun, I guess, now and able to kind of push the boundary more now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that now there's more water under the bridge. There's more people in the industry. It's larger. So these problems actually get solved. 
uh, because there's demand for it just by the size of the growing industry. So, you know, one of the challenges of being an early investor in any emerging market is you can be too early. Like you can think, you know, three, four, five steps ahead and realize, hey, this is a problem that needs solved. But right now, it's a problem that people don't care about paying to solve, right? So there's got to be an immediacy um, for solution to a problem. And, you know, but again, now um, there's, you know, more, you know, experienced professionals coming in and running companies that are looking for the solutions that they had at their last gig outside the cannabis industry. And when it doesn't exist, they're frustrated and that creates demand mm-hmm. um, for these solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jared and I talk about that sometimes, like there's like this saying out there, like you don't want to be the first to market, really, like you might as well, you know, wait a little bit and let somebody else kind of work through that and pay, you know, the upfront costs and maybe come in a little bit later. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, well, like the pioneers were also the arrow catchers, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the wagon trains, they usually make it through. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 really um, it's a high risk move. It's a high risk industry. So, um, you know, timing your 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 startup and your business uh, is very key. You've got to have a problem to solve today that is allows you to solve the problem that you want to solve in the future. So you got to meet the market where it is today to realize your vision down the road. That's important in the cannabis industry. Now, speaking about that, so for some of the companies that maybe didn't, you know, fully, you know, succeed through Canopy, what was one of the problems or the downfalls? Was it funding? Was it, you know, really a lack of not solving a really important problem? Or what really did you see was their downfall? Well, you know, I'll turn it around on you. And one of our most successful companies now had a hard time early because the problem or the product and the service they were offering uh, the customers like were enamored by it, uh, but they didn't really even have budget for it. They they wanted it, but they couldn't pay for it. And but so they were they had a desire for it, but they needed to work through a kind of you know an annual budget cycle to to like earmark for it. Yeah. And so you know they're at the early on there just weren't enough customers, and they really had a couple of moments where they almost. Went out of business. They were on the roller coaster, the ups and downs, yeah. and they had a low point. And we came in and helped them close a round of funding at Canopy Boulder. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean that was that set them up to be sort of a cornerstone of the industry. And and now um, everybody desires and and pays for their products and their services. And that's that's sort of again um, we're almost too early uh, <laughs> with that one, but we made it through to today where it's a very viable business. That's pretty incredible. One thing I want to talk about too, as I kind of browse through both portfolios and, and especially on Poseidon is it does seem like it's maybe dominated a little bit more by ancillary businesses and these businesses that are focused more in tech. And, and I know as you know, somebody who's, you know, been a professional in the industry and also considers myself a consumer, I never mm-hmm. really looked at the aspect of like tech being like huge in cannabis. I mean, people think of cannabis and they immediately think of like the plant and dirt mm-hmm. and like flour and vape and mm-hmm. edibles and, and kind of all these other things. They don't think that, or at least for me, I don't think that like tech 
you know, like has a huge play in this until like now you see all these different technologies. And, and especially when I was working in cannabis, I, you could see the need for like a lot of like the data and the analytics and uh, just keeping mm-hmm. track of things and the, the logistics of it, especially and transferring things. And um, do you see that now? Is that maybe why, you know, now it's, you know, with Poseidon, there is a bigger focus maybe on the, the tech and ancillary portion is because there are all of these problems that are coming to the surface and they require technology. Well, you know, this is a super uh, heavily regulated industry that has emerged in the last 10, 15 years. So technology is baked in as a solution for the regulators to um, stay on top of this industry. Now, they don't, the regulators don't have to treat it like, you know, nuclear waste or kryptonite or anything like that, but they do. And as a result, there's requirements for the tracking and the tracing of the products, which generates a lot of data, which feeds into technological solutions. Um, you know, uh, so I guess I would say that there's so much tech in cannabis because we live in a tech-enabled society now, and any new industry will, by almost default, um, have a high level of technology engaged with it. I would say that makes sense, and especially. You know, now everybody is like on their phone and there's, you know, there's different, you know, I remember back, geez, what was it? Maybe five, six years ago when there was like a cannabis social media platform coming out. And, and back then it was like, what in the world? Like, this is incredible, but it's also like, mm-hmm. holy cow, we're like here already. There's cannabis social media. And then mm-hmm. almost like six years later, I wish it would come back because it's like, <laughs> you know, the cannabis becomes kind of so censored and it's hard to like get information out there that I guess, you know, it is kind of driven by like a younger generation that is familiar with tech. And, and we, we do demand these things and demand the efficiency and kind of the availability of information or products or these different things that, you know, tech can help kind of bring to the surface. Well, you know, I, I, I was talking to the CEO of a company the other day about a very unique problem in the industry. And he I, I thought, you know, I'd come across this issue and it really felt daunting and insurmountable and you know, something that, you know, none of us could really have a hand in solving, but it was going to block the development of a, a market. And um, he said, oh, come on, Patrick, the cannabis industry will find a way. <laughs> you know, it, it's like if you think about the headwinds that the industry has faced from the beginning um, and where it is today you know, it's, it's, it is an incredible story um, Mm -hmm. that I think will be told for many generations to come that when you couldn't advertise and it was federally illegal and it was almost impossible to patent anything or protect your intellectual property there are no bankruptcy protections. Um, Heck, it was hard enough to have a bank account. Um, This industry still grew 40% year over year over year. Um, heck, COVID couldn't even stop the cannabis industry. <laughs> right. We, right. Cannabis industry grew 40%, four zero in 2020. Colorado, a mature market with no tourism, virtually no tourism in 2020, grew 20%, 25%. <laughs> That's think about incredible. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And um, I think it just reaffirms the beliefs that I think the things that we know about the industry being in the industry. And it gives us great talking points to share with others outside the industry who are maybe not, you know, hip to it yet, Mm -hmm. that this is real. Um, 
this is not going away and it's going to affect them somehow. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something probably your current employer, Poseidon, probably saw, you know, they started all the way back in 2013 and they've had one of the longest running funds. So Mm -hmm. for those who don't know about Poseidon, like tell us a little bit more about what you do and kind of what sets you apart from other investment firms. Yeah, yeah. Our fund and our firm is, yeah, I mean, I met Emily and Morgan Paxi, the co-founders of Poseidon in January of 2014 at a conference, turned around and started chatting them up. And we immediately realized uh, we were approaching this industry in the same way. And we had the same vision and same goals for it. In fact, we talked about partnering up back then, but you know, we were all starting and no one had a track record okay. to refer to because no one done any investing. We were <laughs> pioneers. Yep. And um, so we, we took sort of similar paths, complementary paths and worked together on and off. And so they raised a fund and it started out only investing in ancillary products and services, but quickly pivoted into also investing in licensed operators in the US and Canada. They essentially structured their first fund in a, in a way that they could invest in almost anything. And it would maximize the opportunities. Very, very, very smart strategy. And that funded very, 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 very well. It's an award-winning fund. And they sort of proved their mettle. Um, and then the second fund they uh, raised was focused on series A and later opportunities same thing, technology and licensed operators. Very quickly after they announced that strategy, it was copied by a good number of other cannabis investment funds. So uh, this third fund, uh, you know, we're focused on earlier stage licensed operators and technology companies. We're sort of being responsive to where we see opportunity in the market. Um, and uh, we're excited about that. So we've been investors as individuals running our own funds, and then we decided to come together. Um, to work together. And it's honestly, it's been one of the most satisfying, um, invigorating, challenging, uh, tiring uh, <laughs> experiences of my professional career uh, to work with folks that are so experienced and so smart. Um, I just, you know, I couldn't pick better partners. That's pretty incredible. Uh, and, and, you know, I think, you know, I'm probably not the first to say this, but it's almost like a dream team, you know, come true. And with all of you guys combining your expertise, and I think that has to make for a pretty powerful group that that has the expertise and the understanding and and like you're mentioning, the experience. I think, and that's something that I think going forward, I think is going to serve a lot of these individuals and companies well, is just the experience of having to weather the storm and, and weather regulations. And especially as these new markets come on, uh, we're just looking at it on the outside and it's like every market that comes up is different in how they regulate it or how they approach it. And this alone is going to create new challenges and it's going to create yeah. challenges for companies that have to work in Colorado and New York and New Jersey and Oregon and, and Washington. And, and this just means there's more opportunity for people to step in and provide solutions. Yeah. You know, we, I've been shocked by the number of other professional professionals working at other investment funds in the cannabis industry who come knocking and want to join our team. And, you know, uh, we'd love to bring them all on. Uh, but you know, it's sort of like a, uh, chicken and an egg type thing, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, we've, the side's been very, very successful. Um, you know, uh, they took your early investors in GTI and ascend wellness Jewel packs, um, headset, you know, and it can't be Boulder 
you know, we were the first investors in BBS analytics and work and pot guide, which sold and a bunch of other companies, happy cabbage, Weller, one of the top CBD beverages. Like, you know, if you're, if you're earnest, you're authentic and you work hard, um, and you get some good luck, um, <laughs> which everybody needs, you know, you can really be successful in this industry, but if, you know, we are, you know, honestly, we work six, seven days a week. Um, yeah. Because it, it, the, the opportunity is now, we want to seize on that, and um, so we 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 realize that that it's you know this could go away, you know this is this is a this is an incredible opportunity we have, so we're going for it. That's awesome. One thing that I might plug, it's kind of fun. You know, I'm a big fan of Shark Tank. Do you think we'll get like a cannabis like VC type of show <laughs> in the future? Is that something you guys um, might be interested in? <laughs> I've been approached, yeah. you know, and, and there are, you know, those, those shows are, uh, quite produced and, <laughs> uh, you need, one needs to understand that going in that you could look like a hero or you could look like a fool, depending on how the producers want to portray yeah, the episode. And there have been folks from the cannabis industry that have been on shark tank hmm. and there are folks, I think there was like a green entrepreneur or something. There was a show oh, on, yeah. I think it only made online where like people were coming up in an elevator and the mm -hmm. elevator opened. Can they oh, yeah. go out there? And, you know, I saw good people made to look like a fool oh, um, on that show. So, you know, maybe, but <laughs> I don't know if, um, that will be something I will be a part of. Yeah. But never say never, right? Yeah. It's all about creative control. If they're willing to share creative control, then sure. <laughs> well, yeah, let's all remember it's reality TV. I know, I know Jared it's... and I get down on ourselves sometimes. We went down a shark tank rabbit hole the other day and we were so <laughs> depressed the next day. I'm like, Jared, why can't we think of, you know, this $3 million a year business idea that this oh, guy man. just came up with yesterday. Like, why can't we do that? I know, it's, it's kind <laughs> of like, take a step back. it's kind of like the FOMO aspect of like social media that everybody only shows like the best, the best versions of their life. And that's kind of how I feel like Shark Tank is sometimes is they only show the best episodes. And like you're saying, whether it's a failure and they can make them look like a fool or they find, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. the needle in the haystack and they're like, look at this, you know, great investment we found. They don't show <laughs> ultimately, like, the, ultimately it's about, keeping eyeballs affixed to the show right go. and it's 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 super well done it's well produced and those offers go flying and they're not final yeah. by yeah. any means you know you you shake hands and throw high fives and that's when you know that it's just the first conversation i we actually had a company that was part of our canopy boulder uh program go on pitch and win quote unquote win an investment from mark cuban but it was never the investment never was finalized oh wow so it was sort of like this like hip hip hooray we did it and then the lawyers got involved and the business manager yeah. got involved and everything got really complex real quick the terms changed and then yeah. you know the investment never happened yeah so it is reality um air quotes i don't know if it's how real it is it's sort of a entertainment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I was looking for is it, it does seem like a lot of entertainment. And I'm sure you know that the nuts and bolts of actually making this a reality is, is a lot more dirty work than they want to show on TV, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know, the, um, you know, starting a business is not easy. You know, um, just starting it is not easy. 
converting that idea into something is very hard. And then getting investment, if that's the right path, and it's not always the right path to support that, you know, launch is even harder. Um, So just imagine yourself as an entrepreneur covering yourself in gas and trying to jump through flaming hoops (laughs) over and over and over again. You must be crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that's sort of what it takes. And um, for a lot of people. So on on that note, you know, what would be some good advice that you have for some young entrepreneurs who might be looking to enter the industry? Like, how do they weather this storm? Yeah, I think that the advice I always give entrepreneurs is um, identify, if you identify a problem, you know, really fall in love with solving that problem, not necessarily the solution. And really get a, you know, commit yourself to having a very clear understanding of the the thought processes of the people that have to solve for that problem. So if you want to sell a better point of sale or a better retail uh, technology solution to for bud tenders, go be a bud tender, mm-hmm. right? If you want to work in a cultivation and you want to build a hundred thousand square foot cultivation, go work in a cultivation, start as a trimmer, work your way up. Um, show up, be present, um, know how the people are thinking on the other side of the table that you're selling to, um, before you really begin, because I can almost guarantee you may, um, you're probably going to change a part of your business plan that you think is probably perfect because you thought about it a lot in your head after you've spent time on the other side of the table, being that customer that you want to serve. That's pretty unique. I've never... You know, I feel like maybe that's in the back of everybody's head, but nobody ever explicitly says like, go do what you're trying to, you know, solve problems for first. And, and I can see, you know, I'm kind of like that too, of like, we're all do stuff and I'll think of just solutions in my head of like, this can mm-hmm. be more efficient or this could be easier or there's a better way to do this. And I can see how that would absolutely translate into, you know, better products and better services in the end run. Yeah. I mean, you're, you can, you can always sell them better and you can create them, um, better if you have played the role of the user. That makes sense. You know, one, one of these final questions too, and this is kind of forward looking of, you know, we keep preaching on, the, on our show uh, and kind of beating a dead horse in regards to federal legalization. But I think most of us feel like at some point and in some form, it's probably inevitable and, uh, and kind of look in that direction. Do you still see any major challenges that might need to be solved in the cannabis industry or any major, you know, points of like investment that are upcoming? I think we need to do a better job of um, like in certain states like California of showing that um, these, you know, the illicit market can be um, uh, more eliminated. Um, But honestly, I don't think the, you know, federal legalization is cannabis industry has a problem that needs to be solved for federal legalization to occur. I think it's, more of a political dynamic in DC. I mean, honestly, cannabis pulls so well now on both sides of the aisle that it's almost too popular. Yep. Um, it doesn't, it, and stay with me here, it, uh, it doesn't allow politicians to raise enough money against it. It's not a divisive enough issue anymore mm-hmm. um, to drive any change. Um, 
and change is usually driven by dollars. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm I'm not really sure. People ask all the time, when do you see, when do you predict federal legalization? I've just started to say twelve years <laughs> to, as a bit of like shock value. Yeah. Um, because I think the more popular it gets, the further this it, we go without federal engagement. Mm-hmm the hard, the more hardened the state's positions are going to be on that tax revenue. Exactly. Yep. And the more power they're going to have in that conversation, which means it'll probably get pushed out even further. So, you know, play the game in front of you. Don't try to play the game that you, you have no hand in creating. Um, so we as investors, and I encourage entrepreneurs to operate in a way where their business's success, their failure is not dependent upon federal legalization. So for though, if federal legalization does occur, what does that mean for investors? Like pretty soon you're probably going to see the big boys come in, like the big pharmaceutical companies or, you know, large corporations. So what does that mean for investors and or small businesses or young entrepreneurs? Well, we've got a window of opportunity to launch, to operate and to invest uh, and front run that change that will immediately increase valuations um, will generate exits for those who are well positioned. And, um, you know, we have an opportunity to uh, profit aggressively um, on the industry. So uh, whether that's a year away, three years away, 12 years away, we're certainly not getting further away from it um, and further away from it, happening um it's just it's just you know the industry is doing a great job right now and improving the consumer demand we just got to stay to it um and try to continue to do better every day and if we do that then this industry will whenever it's time it will be legalized federally and um you know we'll see what happens i like that and i think the kind of the overarching sentiment that this kind of season has brought to us is that cannabis has had to kind of create its own ecosystem to survive. And and what I'm hearing from you is that that ecosystem is very much alive and well, and it's going to be living into the future on its own, regardless of, you know, diplomatic input, I guess, in some ways. So, um, you know, I would say just keep going and, and to kind of like circle back from the very start of saying that some companies, you know, maybe it's better to kind of wait for things to come around. And I could be totally ignorant in my belief here, but the way I kind of look at it is some of these larger companies that do come in once it's, you know, the green lights giving and we get, you know, institutional investors and stuff coming in, they're going to go probably acquire companies that have already been established versus trying to reinvent the wheel. So it only just, you know, pushes more into the idea that keep creating your company, keep doubling down to to build Mm -hmm. a profitable model and keep pushing forward regardless of, you know, the noise on the outside. Yeah. You know, federal legalization is a thing that, an entrepreneur is going to probably have a small impact on uh, one individual. Um, But an industry working well, legally, together in concert, can have an impact on that. Um, But, you know, DC is really good at doing, getting nothing done these days. (laughs) And, um, you know, they've proven both sides of the aisle to, uh, you know, languish. Yeah, when it comes to cannabis. So, you know, as investors, you you just you don't have a control over that. So you've got to invest in uh, a way that, yes, there's massive upside, 
if there is federal legalization, but you're not dependent upon it. I think that's pretty solid. Interesting. Well, this I hope been, it's pretty solid. I'm working yeah. on it for 10 years. <laughs> like, so, I mean, if there's somebody that I'm going to bet on their advice, it's going to be you, Patrick. Yeah. So I think this is, you know, we've been really impressed with what you have put together, you know, in our home state in Colorado. I think you've been a great resource for the industry and that really honestly goes without saying. So thank you for, you know, putting yourself out there very early on to, to do this for a lot of other companies, you know, 115 companies or so at Canopy and, you know, a number more here at Poseidon and, and you know, more in the future, I'm sure. So, you know, you're yeah. a great, you're a great steward of the industry and a great steward of entrepreneurship. And, you know, I could say as an entrepreneur myself, it's, it's great to see people like yourself out there helping entrepreneurs because it is scary. It's scary entrepreneurship on its own, let alone adding, you know, a federally, federally regulated substance in the mix that's very highly stigmatized across a, a number of fronts. So it takes a lot. Yeah, well, it's um, it's a joy. It gives me a lot of satisfaction. And, um, you know, helping others is, I think, something we should do more of, all of us. Absolutely. All right, Patrick. Well, we have two final questions for you. Uh, one all is right. a little fun for all of our listeners this season. We've been asking all of our guests, what is your favorite place to eat in Colorado? Oh, that is very simple. There <laughs> is the Mountain Sun in Boulder, Colorado. Delicious beer. I don't drink a whole lot, but when I do, I'd like to go there and have a have a beer. And the food's really good, too. They do a great job, local um, organic natural nice. offerings. It's Boulder, right? Yeah, so, you know, to. that's what you get. Right. So yeah. I would recommend people check out the Mountain Sun on Pearl Street. On Pearl Street. Nice. Yeah, that sounds fun. Some Rocky Mountain air and some sunshine mm -hmm. and beer. Yeah, yeah. We Pearl Street's great. go wrong. Yeah, right. It's a great place. It's a full experience. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, one final question for you. Uh, we are the Lit and Lucid podcast. So are you lit or are you lucid? Well, um, I'm pretty lit every day. It's pretty <laughs> exciting uh, to be doing this, but you know, we stay very lucid in our work. Um, cannabis is one of those things. It's it's like it's like you know mental gymnastics. It's you know an intellectual jujitsu all the time <laughs> because there's so many dynamics. I mean, every state is different. All the regulations are different. They're always changing. So we pre we stay pretty sharp. Yeah. here at uh, Poseidon. But yeah, no, I'm a consumer and uh, I consume uh, for to sleep better. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also like an endurance athlete. So oh, wow. in like mile 70 of your 150 <laughs> mile bike ride on the weekend or, or whatever race, like you'd be amazed what uh, a little bit of THC can do for you. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> that is big time. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome, Patrick. Oh, man. Well, I think that's perfect, Patrick. It's the perfect balance between yourself, your personality, and all the ventures that you've accomplished and are pursuing right now in the industry. So I love that answer. Uh, I love this episode. Super fun. Really interesting for all of our listeners as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. It's been Absolutely. great. Absolutely. All right, you guys. With that, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters.